Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Influence. You've heard of fish skin flying off the racks, but could the next big thing be chicken skin? We like to be ahead of the curve. So today we're meeting two young entrepreneurs who have turned a family recipe into a business. Samani is the brand. They are Singapore's first homegrown direct-to-consumer brand. They procure the chickens directly from a family-run chicken farm of one of the entrepreneurs. And these two men say they're very passionate, not just about business, but also giving back to society. So here in Influence, we like to meet captains of business and uh, dig in a little bit more into their personalities. What are they doing? How are they giving back to the world as well? So time to say welcome to Andrew Go and Lim Jingsi, co-founders of Samani Chicken. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good to have you. Okay, so tell me, Andrew, I hear you were inspired by your great, your late grandmother's original recipe so she would take chicken skin and then turn them into pieces of fabulous i love chicken well i like fish skin i'm not sure about chicken skin because i usually don't have them by themselves so i can't wait to try your snacks what was this process like take us from you know the idea this is a family recipe to a business what was the milestones the first main point we had to get across is that we wanted to make sure what was the best thing that we like about my grandmother's recipe Hmm. so it was the crispiness so we innovated to change the recipe from a family recipe to a mass production recipe at the same time to maximize on the crispiness. We also checked on the costing. We had to make sure that the costing is feasible for us as well. So it's quite surprising, but it takes about, if we had like 100 kg of chicken skin, you we end up with about 30 kg of Simani snacks. Whoa, yeah. yeah. They do shrink, don't they? Yeah, they shrink a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So many rounds of trial and error, but where does this idea come from that you're going to bank on chicken skin? It's going to be the next big thing. Fish skin was so popular. Right, yeah. yeah. So we were we kept thinking of what would be the next big thing after fish skin. Mm. So we were like, we went, because we, both of us traveled quite a bit. So like we went to Thailand and we saw that they had chicken skin there. We, we actually tried chicken skin from other countries as well. And we thought that chicken skin is actually a very good snack. We also like how my grandmother made the fried chicken skin so we thought that it would be a good thing that to bring out of Singapore so you were right from the start Jinxie maybe on a way in here you were right from the start looking for what could be the next big thing after fish skin yeah I was always looking for the next startup I knew Andrew for quite some time yeah. uh, I flew to Japan and I flew to Jakarta for work sometimes and then I tried the chicken skin there I also tried the ones that Andrew made for me and then I felt that Andrew is a better cook than most of the big FMCG brands out there. So I was like, okay, let's try to do this as a business. We took a year of uh, research and hard work to create a commercialized uh, product that we have today. So I'm quite passionate about cooking. So I do cook a lot at home. Mm. Uh, I like to fry a lot of things. So chicken skin was like something that quite natural to us. So 1,000 kilograms of chicken skins had to go through this R&D process for a year, I understand. Yeah, as we did the chicken skin, we had to remove the feathers, the fats. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah, and to make sure at the same time it maintained the crispy texture and we're also trying to make sure that the crispy texture lasts for the whole entire shelf life. So we had to change the recipe in a way but we always make sure that we stick to our roots which is 
what my grandmother always said that we what we like about my grandmother recipe, which okay. is the crispiness. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, my mouth is watering just hearing about this crispy mm. chicken skin. So you worked with tender fresh fried and barbecued chicken. They're a household brand to refine the recipe and I suppose scale it up. Yes, the main reason we work with them because there are some processes that the home recipe would not be able to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. So with the commercial equipment that we had, when we partnered with Tender Fresh, we were able to get it to an even higher level than what my grandmother's recipe would have managed to achieve. Okay, so as you mentioned at the start, it takes a lot of chicken skin. From get-go, they shrink. So there's a lot of costs in the process and I suppose you have to balance the figures. So what are your margins per bag and how do you keep the price affordable for customers? We will be able to solve that problem by um, having significant cost savings on the production side, mainly because of two reasons. One is um, partnering with Tenderfresh. So they have 40 years of commercial experience in um, producing chicken-related products. Hence, there's very little wastage during the production process. Also, second reason is because Andrew's family is in a chicken farm business as well. So uh, we know very well where to source the best quality chicken and the suitable chickens that can be used to make chicken skin. Hence, it's very value for money when we source the right chickens. We mark up very little on the production side so we can pass on all these cost savings or this intimidation. Hence, Where um, is your family-run chi- chicken farm? Is it here in Singapore or Malaysia? Or? It's mainly in Malaysia right now. Mainly in Malaysia. So yeah. you have a ready supply of chickens for your products? Therefore. Yes, the supply is always constant issue that we have. So we have to make sure that we have a constant supply because one packet of Simani snacks has about maybe two entire chicken skin because one chicken has about 120 gram right. of chicken skin. What are some of the key challenges you face? You're Singapore's first direct-to-consumer brand, first homegrown direct-to-consumer brand. But, you know, there are lots of these salted egg, potato chips. Wouldn't they be seen as direct-to-consumer brands as well? Yeah, they are also considered direct-to-consumers. They have their own outlets. They also uh, do online. But on chicken skin side, we are probably the first. We oh, try- for chicken skin. Yes. Okay. We try to sell as much of what we have online. So we deliver to our doorsteps. We partner with some distributors such as NTC Finance. But most of our sales come from online sales as well as pop-up stores, corporate sales events. and whatnot. Why have you chosen that model of distributorship mainly online? Mm, when you work direct to consumer and you work through less intermediaries, you pass on more cost savings to customers as well. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. So what are you doing to stand out? You know, when it comes to crisps, boy, there's a lot of choice, isn't it? I mean, there's sweet potato, there's everything salted egg these days. And then, you know, there's the, the fish skin, which is still relatively new. So what are you doing to stand out? We do our best to differentiate ourselves from the competition. So like for most of the chicken skin snacks out there, it's actually very crunchy. So what we do is we make sure that ours is the most crispy. Simani is very, very crispy. We try, we make sure that ours is, uh, I would dare to say that ours is the crispiest in the market right now. Okay, do you have a bag? Yeah, we have. Do you have a bag? Okay, I'm going to try a bag. Let's see whether it's crispy on air. Let's let's hear the sound of crispy on air. Your business is self-funded. What is it going to take to scale your business to the next level, do you think? Well, we are looking for strategic investors to help us uh, scale out of Singapore. Frankly, uh, we think that Singapore is a small market by itself. The tourism market is big. We want to be able to sell overseas as well in the Philippines, Thailand, Korea, China even. 
Yeah, so looking for exporters, looking for partners that could scale the business together with us as well. Okay, mm. take me to the start of this all. You know, you mentioned your friends, Jingxi, you're a serial entrepreneur. I understand you started your first business nine, at age 19. Mm. And then you spent some time in the world that we're very familiar here with Money FM, investment banking. Mm. But you returned to startups and entrepreneurships. You have experience, therefore, in many different fields. How did this happen? Two of you coming together, deciding, okay, we're going to start a business to do with snacks and not anything else. We actually met as friends over drinks. We both have a love for food. I really like to go to Andrew's place and uh, eat whatever he cooks for our friends. I think great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually started another business together before, a cleaning business. Mm. It worked out well. The food business is something that we feel that is more scalable. We are very product-centric people. We believe that if the food is good, people will travel hands. So we spend one full year to create the recipe today. Don't mind me while I eat yeah. your chicken skin. <laughs> this is fine. I see yeah. what you mean. Yeah, and it tastes very real. Actually, there's a lot of cases where people do a snack. They try to add mm. a lot of seasoning to cover the taste up. Yeah. But I thought that chicken skin itself, the taste is so nice. You need to taste the chicken, yes. which you do. Yeah, that's why yeah. the original, we made it this way. And I like that each one is slightly different, so they don't all look the same. Because of the manufacturing process. Yeah, that's why it came out this way. Again, it looks real. Yeah, it is very real. Because mm. it's like... It is real. What's in the batter? It's a very light flour base batter mm. that I can't really tell. I see you smiling, yeah, it. because it's your secret recipe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not wrong. Mmm, yeah. <laughs> delish. And I can see the whole point is for this to be addictive, like potato chips, right? Yes. So at the same time, if you look at our chicken skin snacks uh, compared to competitors from other countries... We do it in a very healthy format. We try to reduce as much fats as possible. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. that. You know, these days, mm. everybody wants something healthy. They don't mm. want trans fat, deep fried. Mm. Mm. So we remove as much fats below the skin as possible. And at the same time, we remove most of the feathers, most of the hair. So when you look at other chicken skin, you might actually see that. But in our packet of, I mean, I've never seen a single feather or a single hair in our chicken skin snack before. Hopefully, it will continue to be that way. And But of course, uh, we, we do a very strict quality control check in our central kitchen. So if I finish an entire bag, how many calories is it going to be, do you know? Slightly less than 400. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for your honesty and openness. Guys, I wanted to bring you back because we have so many uh, questions left uh, for you about this venture of yours. Congratulations, first of all, for taking chicken direct to consumers, chicken skin. So, Andrew, you are a volunteer. You help organize an entrepreneurship program for underprivileged kids. I wonder if you can tell us more. The underprivileged program, we call it Kids Fiesta. We help about 40 to 50 underprivileged kids in uh, Nisun East CC. This year, we gave them a three-month course on entrepreneurship. We funded ourselves, everything. We reward them as they carry on with their progress. We reward them. It's like an entrepreneurship journey where you must have a reward at the end of the journey. Yeah, you must feel the carrot. Yeah. So we gave them the carrot. When they complete it, we will always give them a carrot. So we gave them like popular gift vouchers and we brought them over to places to enjoy themselves. That's yeah. terrific. And you have another one coming up, this entrepreneurship program? It's a yearly thing. I ran it for two years already. Mm-hmm. We are likely to continue it next year as well. What are your efforts focused on in terms of giving back this year? We took the underprivileged kids and brought them around. For like this year, we did a soap making workshop. Yeah. Soap making? Yeah. I think it's a value perception. Yes, the costing is very low. So when we're trying to teach them so that we let them run a booth, we actually let them run a lot of booths. So like there's soap making, there was like bubble tea, there was quite a lot of things. They get to run their own little business. Yeah. 
we had entrepreneurs themselves uh-huh. that take care of the kids and let the kids run it while they are keeping an eye on them. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they get to step into the shoes of an entrepreneur. Yeah. But they don't have to worry about things like the recipes and the costs. They're actually, it's a guided entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. But for like the cost, we don't tell them the actual cost, but we just give them the numbers and we tell them what price do you think we should be setting. Why are you so passionate about helping kids become entrepreneurs? Studying is one way, but to really make it in life, to get out of the rat race, yeah. entrepreneurship is definitely the way forward. Yeah. So we want to make sure that they might not be doing very well right now because of being underprivileged, but we want to make sure that they will, are able to succeed. Break out of the poverty cycle yeah. and, and make their own way in life, hopefully. You're just 28 years old and you're an entrepreneur. And Jingxi, you're a serial entrepreneur, started your first business age 19 in investment banking, out of investment banking now as a co-founder, I suppose, of Samani. What do you say to other entrepreneurs who want to start their own business journey? What advice do you have for them? I think it's better to start earlier in life when you have less responsibilities and also uh, be aware that uh, there are multiple failures along the way you'll face. So got to be patient, got to be disciplined and uh, with the right amount of efforts, sometimes with the right show of luck, uh, eventually you'll be able to make it. Yeah, Yeah, because we were talking a little off air and I think it's important to bring this point up actually so people don't think, oh, it's so easy to turn a family recipe into a, you know, a snack that you can get at any supermarket. You say that this turned on fate as well. Can you explain a little bit about how it really came down to hard work but also a little bit of luck? We were struggling a lot with devising a recipe and being able to bring it from a home kitchen to a commercial kitchen. Yeah. We were looking for the right kitchens. We actually browsed about a whole of Singapore for four or five central kitchens. Eventually, we passed like our snacks to one of our friends who brought it up to our current central kitchen, which is a tender fresh central kitchen. The boss uh, tried our product. They love our product. And within two months, uh, they signed up to be one of our shareholders as well. Just seriously. And then uh, another two months, we are now uh, launched as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So you're also an angel investor, Jingxi. You help manage an investment portfolio on behalf of a global billion-dollar venture capital firm. I started the whole show telling investors and listeners about this. So what top investing tips do you have for those of us who have just started on our investment journey? Well, I'm in the venture capital space. So a lot of my investments that I manage for my fund is very early stage, seed stage, series A stage as a company, which is a 20 million valuation below. So it's still very high risk type of bets. For myself, I angel invest, so I look at even idea stage before post-revenue. A lot of times, we back the founders because uh, we feel like the founders have experience, the founders have passion in the product they are trying to build. We are very product-centric, we are very market-focused, uh, we're trying to find the correct product, market fit. If you believe in the space, we will back the space. So for myself, personally, I back a lot of uh, local startups as an angel investor. For my team, we look at the whole of Southeast Asia. We try to find the next unicorn to build. Yeah. Do you look at disruption as a theme? Yes, we look at disruption. Normally, uh, we try to look for models that are uh, this intermediate that brings a significant value offering to the market. For example, direct-to-consumer type of products is we look at a lot. Historically, traditional businesses have too many intermediaries. Mm. So we like to look at business models where you disintermediate, you take out as many intermediaries as possible, you pass on the cost savings to the consumers, or the cost savings that you save, you could reinvest into product quality and hence create a better experience for the end consumers as well. Well, hey, thanks for coming by and feeding us this morning mm. with a Samani chicken skin snack. We wish you both all the best. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you very much. Andrew Go and Lim Jingxi in Influence with me, Michelle Martin. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.